In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. My Lord, my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for me. Or in this time of Easter, it's a time of new life. It's really a time of renewal. Um, I think renewal for the church and renewal on a personal level. St. Paul, in his letter to the Ephesians, speaking about the church, he says, So then you are no longer strangers and sojourners, but you are fellow citizens with the holy ones and members of the household of God, built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the capstone. Through him, the whole structure is held together and grows into a temple sacred to the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. It's a powerful quote, beautiful words of St. Paul. As he speaks about the church, this spiritual edifice that's being built, you know, think about it, one stone at a time, which is really one soul at a time. He highlights Christ, you know, the capstone. We don't hear much about capstones, I guess, you know, think of a door you know, beautiful kind of architectured facade, you know, and you have that big grand door entrance. You've got maybe this archway above the door and beautiful stonework. So, on, you know, you have the left stones kind of in this arch making its way up. you got down the right side another part of the arch. And then in the middle, you have the capstone. And that capstone's the last stone to be placed. And that archway, it's really what holds the holds it all together, right? You remove the capstone, and it all comes crashing down. I think that's what St. Paul is basically saying, right? The church, okay, well, Christ is the capstone. He's, he's the one who holds us together. Without Christ, we're nothing. It's Easter season, right? Renewal. Okay, well, Christ the capstone. We need to rekindle this and, and renew this. We see in the church, this beautiful structure, this edifice. we got to build the church, <laughs> got to build a church. And, and I guess it leaves us with this, all right, well, how are we going to do that? How are we going to build a church, as St. Paul says? You know, we're being built together into a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Well, how do we do that? And there's lots of answers to that question. I suppose, uh, you know, for some, you know, in materially speaking, I mean, we need beautiful churches. we got to build churches, you know, which is very noble. Think of St. Francis right in the beginning of his conversion, right? Rebuild my church. What does he do? Well, he starts like cleaning up the church he was in. It's kind of filthy and, you know, and a lot of people are doing really important work in this area. Beauty, architecture, art, right? An entry point into the divine. God who is truth, beauty, and goodness. Noble work, certainly worthwhile. And that's one way to answer that question. Well, how do we build this spiritual edifice? All right, well, that's how we're going to do it. There's another way, and I, and I think Mother Teresa kind of kind of hints at this, certainly points to it. She says, um, I guess the quote, I, I don't know, maybe people say she didn't really say it or said it in a different way or whatever. Basically what I heard was someone, you know, a family comes to um, Mother Teresa, as so many did during her lifetime, you know, 
we want to help you. Tell us what to do. What can we do? We want to, you know, serve the poorest of the poor. We want to make a difference. Here we are. What do we do? Tell us what to do. And, and Mother Teresa's basic response being, you know, go home and love your family. <laughs> you want to help me? You want to help this great project, this great apostolate? Just go home and love your family. <laughs> There's some controversy whether that's really not how she said it and what she said. Um, but you, you look at other things. I mean, she certainly has said as much, no? You know, the importance of the home. What is going on in our homes? And this brings us to the heart of our prayer today. You know, how's the best way to build up the spiritual edifice of the church? But there's a good argument to be made. You want to build the church? You got to build up your family. You got to start at home. This is where it begins, right? Focus on your family. This is the most important thing you can do for the church today. It may not be the most glamorous, <laughs> most exciting work, but hey, this is important stuff. I mean, testified by the saints. Go to the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Speak, speaks about the, the, the home, right? The family is this domestic church. It says in our own time, in a world often alien and even hostile to faith, believing families are of primary importance as centers of living radiant faith. For this reason, Second Vatican Council, using an ancient expression, calls the family the Ecclesia Domestica, right? the domestic church. Notice what it says. Primary importance. <laughs> right? So the family is pri of primary importance. That's like really important here. Okay, so... So once again, right, how to build up this spiritual edifice of the church? How do we grow the church? Well, the family, focusing on the family, going back to the family, this, this domestic church. What the church, right, universal, is you might think on the macro level, like the big scale, the big level, right? The family is on the micro level, the small scale, this little domestic church. All these little domestic churches, as they're built up, it feeds into the life of this Ecclesia Domestica, the, the, the universal church. Um, so anyway, they, they feed each other. One feeds the other. And so that's what we want to focus on. And I suppose on one level, it's a question of um, quantity. <laughs> so on the one level, right, building up the church, this is a matter of quantity. I don't want to be too crude about it. But this is, you know, the procreation, this, this, this end of marriage, this is really important, right? <laughs> Basically, bigger families, bigger church. That's what I'm trying to say. And Jesus, I mean, he speaks about this, right? Right after he speaks about the indissolubility of marriage in the Gospel of Mark. So that's in chapter 10. He then goes on to say, Let the children come to me. Do not prevent them. Now, I mean... So he's speaking about people, you know, the kids are going to Jesus, and the apostles are like, don't, get them out of here. Why? Because he's probably exhausted. He's probably really tired. But Jesus said, no, let the children come to me. And I think, you know, you look at the sequence of the gospel, just the, the flow, right? He's talking about marriage. He's talking about man and woman. This is an indissoluble union, right? Divorce is not part of the equation. And then he says, let the children come. I mean, it's just, it's beautiful. They go together, right? Let the children come. So we build up the church by building up the family. And we should rejoice in this. When I celebrate 
baptisms. And thank God we've been celebrating lots of baptisms, even in the, this time of pandemic, right? People come in to baptize their children. It's great. But in the you know, opening exhortation made by the priests in, in the baptismal rite, there's a moment when it says, you know, kind of pointing to this, you know, this matter of quantity, as I'm, I'm calling it. It says, the priest says to the parents, this community rejoices with you. For today, the number of those baptized in Christ will be increased. <laughs> so it's, it's an appeal. Yeah, this is something to rejoice about. Why? There's more Christians. There's more of the baptized. There's more of those who are being inserted into Christ through this great sacrament, right? This is something to rejoice about. This is something that should be on our minds. We want to help contribute in this very tangible way to the growth of the church, larger family, larger church. In many ways, we've forgotten this in the culture in which we live. You've heard it said before. I, I mean, it's true. We're contracepting ourselves out of existence. We're not open to family. It's not uncommon to hear couples getting married and say, well, I'm not sure we're going to have kids. Maybe, maybe we'll have kids. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll figure that out later. Well, no, these things go together. Marriage, the family, children. The other day I was getting my hair cut and I live in this kind of city to the east of downtown L.A., city of San Gabriel. Heavy Chinese population um, in which I live. And I was getting my hair cut, and it was a man from China, an immigrant to our country, who was cutting my hair. And uh, I went in with my collar on, and sometimes you never know how people react. Well, this guy was really excited about it. He wanted to talk to me about religion. Um and uh, he Seventh-day Adventist himself. But anyway, we got to talking, and he, and he was just very open, sharing about his life. And, and one of the things that came up, because I, I asked him at a certain point, do you have any brothers or sisters? And I just wasn't thinking, I guess. And he said no. And I was like, oh, okay. He said, yeah, because in China, we have the one-child policy. <laughs> just, I wasn't thinking about it. And I was like, oh, geez. Um, he said, yeah, I'm an only child. I'm, I'm the only one here. You know, he kind of left his family and, and came to the United States. And then he went on to share, in fact, that uh, his mom has had a really tough time because she was pregnant at a certain point after him with a girl, a baby girl, who, as he said, I didn't, I didn't ask him to elaborate. I mean, he just said she had to kill her, her daughter. I mean, just harsh. I mean, good God. And he said his mother struggled tremendously because of this as you can only imagine what horror right because of this one child policy the, the whole point is like right we're not that open in the modern world to this idea of the family like <laughs> generosity having children and that this is a beautiful way to contribute to this building up of the church the mission of the church the salvation of souls Right, so the first step you might say, building up, all right, well, have a family, have children. So often is, you know, I prepare couples for marriage. They speak about children as like an expense. Oh, it's just really expensive to have kids these days. Or like, you know, the, there's a reluctance to have kids because then that means like less freedom. So that now a kid is just a limit to my freedom. And, and if we're honest, I think we have to say, yes, a child is an expense. Yes, a child is a limit to your freedom. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. <laughs> a child is also so much more 
than those two things, right? Not to be limited to those two things. And I guess just from my own personal experience, I've never met a parent who, in a moment of honesty, has said, wow, I wish I'd never had that child of mine. Like that that one, these other ones are great, but that one, I wish I had not. No, I've never had a parent say, I mean, in a, they're jokingly, yes, man, that guy, man, that kid really tests my patience, you know. Of course, right? Yeah, that, that can happen. But but honestly, no. I mean, every child's a blessing. And parents, you know that. Every child's a blessing. You would never have it otherwise. No, you'd want every child you've had. Is that just, anyway, so when we're generous, having a large family, I mean, th- anyway, it's, it's, it's a great thing. And it's a, it's a beautiful way. And I challenge couples, be generous. Be open. God wants to bless you in and through children. He says, let the children come to me. Do not prevent them. Let's not prevent them. All right, so, yeah, a matter of quantity. But it's also a matter of quality. So on another level, right, building up the church, it's about quality. So you might think of this, you know, all right, yeah, it's procreation and education of your children. And so I think we also see here in our culture a real crisis in this area. It's not just about having a family, but all right, well, okay, what are we doing with that family? How are we growing that family in a qualitative sense? You know, recently, you all heard about in the news, I'm sure, right? This um, Recently, there's that 13-year-old. It's a tragic story. 13-year-old in the streets. Um, you know, it's a school night, 3 a.m., shooting a gun at cars, you know, um, I guess there was some confusion about the situation initially, etc. He's with another 20-year-old kind of gangbanger who kind of had welcomed him into the gang. You know, he just recently gotten his, his tattoo, right? 13 years old, his gang tattoo. He'd been missing for two days. You know, his mother never reported it. There was no word from the father. No one's really sure where he is. Right? It, sadly, this 13-year-old ended up dead. Right? Police came, and I guess, you know, it's, it's hard to... I not all the details there, but there was fear that... Anyway, he was shot and killed, this 13-year-old. This is tragic. And I guess, you know, not to get into, like, the politics of it all, but you, you just step back for a second, and, and you have to, have to say something went wrong, like, within the, on the level of the family. I mean, listen to the... I mean, a 13-year-old. He's at 3 a.m. It's a school night. He's been missing for two days. No one... Rep- I mean, what's going on in the family? I'm not here to judge anybody per se, but it's just in a very objective sense. I mean, something is not right. And I think quite sadly, I mean, that that's not uncommon. There's a crisis when it comes to the quality of family life. And so it's, it's we got to build up our families in this way. It's not just about having a family, but how do I have a holy family, right? How do I have a holy family? And so in this area, we can't be naive. I think, gosh, there's such a tendency amongst families to have what I call kind of the exception mentality. Like, my family's different than every other family. There might be these struggles out there, but not in my family. We're like the perfect little, you know, family, you know. And, you know, couples come into marriage prep for it. I mean, it's like they're, you know, we're going to have our nice little house. We're going to have like a little yard. In L.A., that's not, it's more like we're going to have our nice little apartment, right? Our nice little floor mat outside. Welcome, friends. 
but but you get the idea. It's like we're gonna have a little house. We're gonna have a little yard, a couple of trees. Gonna have a couple of little dogs. Maybe we'll have a few kids. You know, everything's gonna be perfect. The door is gonna be red. It's gonna be a white house. You know, they like paint this beautiful little picture. Everything's gonna be great. We got a little fence around our house, and they don't even realize that on the cultural level, like it's like bazookas, atomic bombs, are. <laughs> aimed right at your family to take it down, to tear it down. And so it's not just, yeah, we're just going to create this nice little beautiful utopia paradise for our little... No, it's like we got to be on the offensive here. So like what are we doing to build up our family on a qualitative level, right? We can't be naive. There's no exceptions, right? My family's not the exception. What are we going to do? Well, all right, once again, we go back to St. Paul, right? Christ has to be the cornerstone. Well, how do we make Christ the cornerstone? Tons of answers. We, we could be here all, I'll offer a few just, you know, for our prayer for consideration, a few possibilities. And so I think St. Paul, you know, he nails it on the head when he says in his letter to the Ephesians, chapter five, he says, husbands, love your wives. Each one of you should love his wife as himself. And the wife should respect her husband. And so what St. Paul is doing here is I think he's highlighting kind of the foundational relationship within the family. This is the relationship between the husband and the wife. So, okay, if we're going to have a healthy family, if we're going to have a holy family, well, we got to start with our marriage. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, love your husbands. Your relationship comes first. If you're going to build up your family, you need to build up your marriage. So there's a hierarchy here, right? God, who calls a husband and a wife together into this beautiful bond, marital union, right? This love and, and the fruit of that love, children. So y- you have to nurture. You have to take time to nurture your marriage. It's so sad. So many couples drift apart over the years. They forget about each other. And all for great reasons, right? The kids, and we're busy, and we're trying to do the best for them. And it's like, you know, those are, yeah, those are good reasons, but they're not the, they're not the right reasons, right? They're not adequate. You know, recently in this time of pandemic, very sad story. Um, a good friend of ours here at the parish, you know, her husband died due to COVID. And... Um, Anyway, it's tragic, lots of details there, but um, she, she just kind of in her mourning and missing her husband has just shared that, you know, one of the things that's been most difficult for her is that every day after work, her husband would pick her up from work and they would go have a cup of coffee together. Every day they would do this. I did, Honestly, I didn't even know that they did this. I'd see him out there. He'd like pick her up. Um. But then they, you know, they, they would take that time over that cup of coffee to talk, to check in, to share, to rekindle every day their love for each other, their relationship. Now, their kids are older. Okay. So, yeah, it works better. But you know what? They didn't have to do that. They didn't have to make it a priority to have coffee every day. In fact, you probably talk to most every day. I mean, come on. Isn't that a little extreme? Well, you know what? They had a happy marriage. They had a happy family, a fruitful marriage. 
you've probably heard the story of Scott Hahn's conversion. He becomes Catholic. Well, that created some tension in his family, especially between he and his wife. And at a certain point, he got some great advice. It's like instead of fighting her over, over this conversion thing, instead of going to battle every day, you know, trying to convince her and force her to, to see it your way, I mean, stop that. Take a step back. And I, I believe the, the quote was, you got to up the romance, buddy. I mean, that's what you got to do. You got to rekindle that spark of love. Work on that trust. Work on your relationship. And, I, you know, I, he took the advice. And I think it worked. I mean, it's amazing. She ended up converting. I mean, the family. And, you know, the rest is history. Great, great apostle in the world today. So, you know, anyway. Where do we begin? Okay, well, let husbands and wives begin with each other. That's that's where, and and you know, each of you can think of ways to do that. You know. But second, you know, I think parents. Um, okay, so moving from the marriage to now the the children. So I think it's time in the world in which we live to be a little radical regarding your parenthood. And this call of the Lord to, yes, have children, but now to educate and to be formators of your children, the primary educators of your children. It's time to embrace and live up to your authority as parents. It's not something to apologize about. Something to take ownership of. To be inspired by. You know, I remember hearing this story, and uh, it's about a father who, um, you know, was concerned about his family. He's concerned about his family and the world anyway. He'd come home from work, and typically, like, the TV would be on, the kids are at the TV, and it's just they wouldn't even say hi to him. And after a while, it just it became a problem. And just one day, he had had enough. <laughs> he came home from work. Talk about dramatic. Comes home from work. He goes straight into the living room. The kids are watching the TV. He takes that TV in his hands. He rips it out of the wall. He walks up the stairs, goes out on the balcony, and chucks the TV off the balcony. <laughs> and it shatters over the yard below, right? I mean, he's making a point. It's like enough is enough here. Like this is not good for our family. We are becoming divided. We are losing a sense of touch, uh, losing touch with each other. And I am enough of this. Now, I'm not saying you all need to go home and like rip the TVs out of your walls. Maybe you should. I don't know. But what I am saying is like, I mean, we parents, you got to cleanse your domestic church, so to speak, right? Think of Jesus cleansing the temple. He gets in there. He's a, all right, zeal, right? Zeal. He's zealous for his father's house. And he makes a court out of, he drives them out of there. I mean, he does what he has to do to keep this place sacred, to keep this place holy. I mean, what are you doing to ensure that your church, your domestic church, your home is a holy place? It's time to clean up the filth. Once again, it goes back to that like exception mentality. We so often, oh, my kids are the exception. They're going to be fine. We can, you know, there's these little perfect angels. Well, they're not, you know? And so I would just say, building up the, all right, parents, don't be afraid in charity and love, but with firmness. You know, listen to your heart, listen to your gut. If something is not right in your home, it's time to do something about it.
So we got to build up our families. And you might think, all right, well, what's holding us back, right? All right, so just a couple suggestions, you know, mar- work on your marriage, all right, your children and asserting your authority. Well, what's holding us back? And I just think, look, family life is not glorious life. In many ways, it's, it's hard. It's lifelong. It's not glamorous. It's a bit messy, and it's pretty thankless. You know, no one comes to your house, knocks on the front door, and says, hey, thanks for doing such a great job with your family. <laughs> no one does that. And I think, you know, after a while, we just we opt for things where we do get gratification. Things like work. All right, so all of a sudden, you know, I start spending more, more time at work. Why? Because I get, you know, congratulated. I get recognized. I get affirmed. And next thing you know, I'm just kind of drifting away from my family. You know, immediate gratification says a lot. For others, I mean, you, you, you escape in other ways. I mean, drugs and alcohol, this is a problem. This is a real problem. Even, even amongst people who are highly functional. I mean, they're, they're crossing of boundaries. And so the sad thing is it's like you're there as a parent, but you're not there, right? You're there, but you're, you've escaped, right? Interiorly, in your mind, you're not really present, right? You, you've gone for this, once again, kind of this immediate gratification and escape from it all. Or maybe it's not drugs or alcohol. Maybe it's like technology. This is another way people escape. This, this labor of the family, this great work of building up the family, the, the domestic church. I mean, technology, you've got your chair. The chair's right there. You go there every day and you sit down in your chair and you pull out your phone, you pull out your laptop, and there you are. It's like you're, you've created this wall around yourself. And all right, well, you know, you're there, but you're not there. And so to build up the church is to build up the family, which is to really get your hands dirty and just the day in and day out, nothing glamorous. I think of St. Jose Maria. He's got this point in the way, which is great. It's about humility. He says, don't wish to be like the gilded weathercock on top of a great building. However much it shines and however high it stands, it adds nothing to the solidity of the building. Rather, be like an old stone block hidden in the foundations, underground, where no one can see you. Because of you, the house will not fall. Bam. And it, it's, that's it right there. I mean, that, that is the call of the family. Once again, the foundations, these f- bricks, these stones, building up this church this glorious church of the Lord, the instrument of our salvation, the vehicle by which we're saved. I mean, the foundations, underground, no one can see you. So don't get discouraged. Don't lose hope. Families, keep going. Keep going. Current prelate of Opus Dei, Don Fernando Ocadis, he, uh, you know, speaking these words of encouragement, I mean, his presence is one of encouragement, but he says these words to families. He says, 
Amidst its imperfections and difficulties, each family is a civilizing influence and a source of good when they make the effort to foster communion, forgiveness, and solidarity. They don't need to wait until everything in their own home is functioning perfectly. Every family can give light and warmth to other families, friends, neighbors, and more. Every family, your family. Let's focus on the family. Let's build up the family so that we can, we can contribute to the, to the great work of salvation that our Lord Jesus Christ continues to work, especially in this Easter season. Once again, renewal and new life. We go to Our Lady, Mother Mary, Mother of Fairest Love. Pray for us. Help us to not be afraid to engage in this oftentimes, you know, unseen work, the work of the family. Difficult work, work of the family. Challenging work, the work of the family. Help us, Mother, pray for us that we can respond with lots of generosity and with lots of love. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations that you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.